This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada big, bada boom. Welcome to episode 126 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have our top billing draft to preview the 10 most anticipated movies for the remainder of 2022. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy episode 126 of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy Doody, episode 126 of TDI has arrived. This is Dr. O on the horn to start per usual. We got a very rainy evening right here, Ricky Flex. We got some movie watching weather. I know last episode we talked about crushing some of the best of 2022 thus far. We are now looking ahead, right, for the remainder of 2022. We got two major releases this week, Ricky Flex. We got The Gray Man and we got Nope. What a great action movie, anticipated action movie from the Russo brothers starring Chris Evans, Ana de Armas, Renee Jean Page, Ryan Gosling. And then we got Nope starring uh, Jordan Peele movie with Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Steven Yoon. Are you watching both this week, bud? You know I will be. Nope, I will see that on Friday. I will. And The Great Man, I will find time probably, probably Sunday. Probably Sunday will be a Sunday watch for me. I'm looking forward to both. I'm disappointed what I'm seeing so far critically from The Gray Man. Hearing a lot of similar Netflix tropes with it. Don't love that. Hearing a lot of Russo Brothers, bad, bad Russo Brothers that we've seen from Cherry. Don't like that either. But at the end of the day, it's similar to Red Nose. You're going to watch it because it has Chris Evans. It has Ana de Armas. It has John Lepage. It has Ryan Gosling. So I'm going to be watching it. I'm very excited for it. I don't think the trailers look that bad. So I'm just going to be interested to see where the pitfalls are, if there are any. Maybe it's just people aren't seeing it. Enough uh, enough people haven't, haven't seen it yet, so enough positive reviews haven't come in yet. So I'm looking at the uh, Rotten Tomatoes for The Gray Man. I had not seen it up until this point. I, it sucks that I'm looking at it right now. It's got a 52% on the thermometer with about 100 reviews. It's got an 89% audience score with over 100 verified ratings. This is like a typical, this looks like a typical Netflix movie, right? A, a Netflix action movie. It feels like The Rock, like it feels like it's going to be around 50% and it's going to have an extremely high approval score from audiences. Uh, the critics consensus, what it reads is the gray man has the star studded outline of an entertaining action thriller, but it's filled with lukewarm leftovers from far better films. So the originality doesn't seem like it's there. Um, Man, like it just sucks because it seems like the Russo brothers just continue to lose outside of the MCU. And they just declared that they won't be doing a Secret Wars film, I believe, on this press tour for The Gray Man. At least they have been approached. They have not been approached. They could just be so used to Marvel where they're not going to admit that they have been approached because they'd be a logical fit for such a massive MCU production after what they did with Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, this sucks. This sucks. I was really looking forward to this one, and this kind of like dampers my uh, my anticipation a little bit. 
it's it's disappointing. It really is. Um, but again, maybe we like it. You know? Yeah. Like, like, it, like that doesn't guarantee we're not going to like the movie. It's just it sucks because like I want this train to get back on the tracks for the Russo brothers. It seems like it's been derailed ever since Endgame, and it makes us just think like maybe they aren't the pair of directors we hoped they were going to be. You know, I haven't, like, I know, aside from Rotten Tomato scores, like, I didn't like what they did with Cherry. I thought that was their moment to, like, say, okay, we can foray into more serious type of material, non-superhero non material, all right, more character-driven with a Tom Holland performance. But, like, that was a massive failure, too. And this was, like, they're supposed to be their big comeback into action films where they have found to be their strength, yet they can't bring it home, apparently, according to these critics disappointing but okay we'll see that we'll see but no nope this weekend again jordan peele also doing the the press tour right now said he won't do a franchise ip driven franchise because he wants that creativity that he doesn't want that owed to that other originator right love to hear that but at the same time he said if it was his own ip a la a get out sequel he says he's open to it Daniel Kaluuya said that too. He said like there's you can't rule out mm -hmm. that he, like they won't do a sequel. And honestly with Jordan Peele it kind of makes sense on the trajectory of his career where we've seen like the breakout with Get Out, right? We got the uh, successful follow up. He avoids the sophomore slump with us. Like nope, we see almost like a more mainstream type of horror movie with like an alien abduction type of thing. It doesn't seem like it's bringing the same type of horrors at least by the trailers from us. Right, us to me was a very scary movie, and it was a creepy movie. I don't get that vibe as much with Get Out. It's more of like a, a much more of a mystery. Maybe we're just not exposed to what's going to happen next. But after having this mainstream production, maybe he wants to return to something he's done before, right? With a Get Out sequel, and like while Daniel Kaluuya is so hot in the streets right now, and uh, Peel is talking about his relationship being similar to like a De Niro and Scorsese relationship like modest much but like that's nuts you know I, I wouldn't be shocked if we actually do get that mm, yeah and, he, and again like I like letting things die I've said it before in this podcast but you say it every podcast I say it every <laughs> podcast but I don't know about like I, I like you said originality I kind of want to see a new project like I, I'd rather just have him just keep going all these different directions right like Scorsese you just compare yourself to Scorsese what does he do like he moves on. Like, you yeah, move well, on. does he move on? He doesn't move on from genres. I mean, I guess, I guess neither does Jordan Peele. So, right, right. But he moves on from your original source. So, you go to Tarantino for the most part. I know Kill Bill, but I'm just saying, I think he's it's made one sequel in his life and it wasn't to his own IP. Exactly. So, I can money. see. Oh, right. Well, what else are we one. thinking of? Uh, no, I forgot about that. I was thinking Tarantino killed Bills. Um, that's technically one movie, though. It's not really a sequel. Yeah, like, he, like, right. like, but the thing is, like, that's a movie. Like, that's like, that's a Tarantino mind. That's like thinking about it. like audience is like, okay, that's a sequel. But him, that's like, no, it's one part into two parts, and it's one cohesive film, right? Mm -hmm. Part one is not complete without part two. Although I think part one's better than part two. I'll tell you that for okay. Kill Bill. Um, so we had a draft. Right for the most anticipated for the rest of 22, we did a most anticipated draft at the beginning of this year back in January, first week of January. Uh, so we have, uh, we're, you're going to help recap what we chose and like what our results look like, all right, from the beginning of this year. Um, 
but we also have to make a decision whether we're going to redraft certain movies right that have yet to release what is still on the board or do we go outside of that so ricky flex um why don't you recap what we had and then we can make a decision how we're going to draft okay how should i read it should i read it like my team and your team or like the picks in a row you should yeah read it by team like we usually do okay so i had the first pick i picked the batman great pick my number two pick was nope which we'll find out this week my third pick Thor Love and Thunder. Moving on. Fourth pick was, <laughs> was Don't Worry Darling. We'll see in September. And my fifth pick was The Fablemans, November 23rd. Okay. So the only ones that have been released that you had is the Batman and Thor Love and Thunder. And Nope is coming out this week, so we'll not be eligible for this week's draft. So the only ones that are still on the board for you are The Fablemans. And what was the second one? Don't, Don't Worry Darling. Worry, darling. So I like so we have to make a decision whether those are still on the table. I'll put an asterisk next next to the ones on my uh, big board here. Uh, mm -hmm. What did I have? You had the Northman. Okay, you had mm -hmm. you had that at your as your first pick, and then you picked Killers of the Flower Moon second. That's wild. <laughs> That's wild. That's why I was like laughing to myself when you said read them out, and then. This is the other reason why I was laughing. I'm, a, I'm an agent of chaos, bro. That's nuts. The third pick you had, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Damn. Pushed to 2023. Right. It was originally October. But then you picked it back up, Knives Out 2, which we now know is a Glass Onion or whatever. A but, Knives yeah. Out sequel. Knives yep. Out story. Yep. And then Babylon as your fifth final pick. Oh, man. So I still got a couple to go here, huh? So Kills of the Flower Moon. This is what we did. So we, me and you talked before this, and I said, all right, if they don't have an official release date, can we pick them? But they are supposed to come out in 2022. And, Doctor, I'm on the bandwagon as in, okay, I'm okay redrafting them. But we have to have a, param a parameter of, like, okay, is it actually coming out in 2022? So what I did really quick was when you are going through the intro, I was Googling the movie, and if it came up as, like, initial release or release 2022 – I think it's eligible. Like if Google tells me it's 2022 release, but if it tells me it's 2023, then no, I would say then no. Well, yeah, eligible. that'd be not this year. But I, me and you were talking about a movie recently, uh, just before the pod, Maestro. It says 2023 as an as, as a release on Google. So do we want to use that as a What's parameter? What's the source there? I'm looking it up right now. Maestro release release date. Let's see what it says. Again, they're making it right now. That's why we got the images of Bradley Cooper, unrecognizable as Leonard Bernstein. So, like, they're making it right now. How is it going to be? It's definitely going to be 2023. It's, yeah, it right. says 2023. It says the playlist.net. It says fall 2023. Yeah. So, next year's awards season. Yeah. This one is not available. So, like, there's other ones here that, that I'm shocked are coming out this year. There's no way, Maestro. Anyway, like they're literally shooting right now. Yeah. It's August. It's going to be August in a couple of weeks. Yes. Okay. So we're we're together on this. So there's a couple other ones. I think that if we do have a question, that's our parameter. Can we agree on that? Just the quick Google, and if it says 2023, ineligible. Yes, I agree. Okay. I'm ready then. All right. With that being said, you know how this starts, Ricky Flex. You flip the coin, I say tails, and we decide who chooses where they draft. Ready with the coin this time. All right, here we go. Great toss. It's heads 
I don't want the first pick. Um, well, you can have the second if you want. Like, you get to choose where you draft. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry. I do want the first pick. Okay. Keep it simple. Killers of the Flower Moon, Scorsese, Leo, Jesse Plemons, De Niro. Like, add Eric Roth on, on the script. I think we keep it easy here. Apple, are they going to go back-to-back after Coda? We'll see. Killers of the Flower Moon is now, after the Batman, my most anticipated movie of the year. I'm I'm doing... I'm typing in Killers of the Flower Moon release date. It says 2022. Okay. So it does pass the test. Um, if we had to do the redraft, like back in the early 2021, like I can't believe I picked Robert Eggers and Northman. I think I, I, I got really hyped up at the beginning of the year. I love that trailer so much. I loved how Skarsgård looked. But like... I mean, this one, you're right. It's like Apple Scorsese, highly anticipated Apple TV debut after the deal that was made. You know, he's going to be making the Grateful Dead, like biopic. Uh, well, you got a, what, Gar- uh, was it Garcia, right? With Jonah Hill coming up. Yep. Jerry right? Garcia. Gonna be, Jerry Garcia is going to be Apple TV. So this is like Coda. They're going to really push for this one. As we said, like 2022, they want to like see if they can re, re like, almost like repeat that magic of coda but also like with a critically acclaimed director arguably the goat in like my eyes and your eyes probably the goat with scorsese like anytime we talked about this like in terms of an actor like the idea of star power it's kind of fading today where it's like okay this actor is in this non-ip movie i have to see it um that is leonardo dicaprio like he is like the idea of an old school superstar Okay, an old school A-lister where he if he does anything, it's an it's appointment movie watching. You know, there are very few actors like that now that are this young. I think actors that like are in this conversation, like Adam Driver for me is like on that level. Like if Adam Driver's in something, I'm checking it out. But is he on the level of Leo? No one is, bro. No one. No one is Leonardo DiCaprio. Even Bradley Cooper, he's similar to that level. Is he Leo? He ain't Leo, bro. You know, nobody. I, I would say, you know, who I would say the only comparable is if if this person's in it. I'm checking it out. Tom Cruise. Wow. And it's yes. For a completely different reason. Yes. <laughs> yes. I would. I would say yes. But that's the idea of the A-list like actor that A-list people just A-list. have a an adoration for that people just fall in love with whenever like they see him like oh my god but i feel like tom cruise also doesn't have the likability of leonardo dicaprio bro like Agreed. people some people do Agreed. not like tom cruise but again top gun made over a billion so like at the end of the day you still because they it. love top gun dude <laughs> well mission impossible fallout made over a billion yeah no but yeah that's a buildup of eight movies like yeah the franchise is going to tend to do that if it's like going on for eight movies in 2022 so yeah i just think like leo's never going to make a billion dollar movie because he's never going to be attached to any type of ip like mission impossible or uh okay you know but can i give you another example night and day night and day the tom cruise movie guess how much that made leo would never do a movie like that i know i know but this just shows you how much like tom cruise drives this guess how much that made i guess peyton's texting me too much so i just gotta tell her to stop texting me how much did night and day make i don't know like 300 million dollars yeah just under like that's insane (laughs) yeah that was a time where like those movies were like semi and those those could be successful time texting me Peyton. god damn it God damn it. Can you hear oh, yeah. that ringing? Can you hear that? No, I can't. 
You can't hear that ringing. Oh my no. god! Like texting, like Mac. Bing, bing, bing. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> I hope she listens to that. PKO. Like you do it again, you're off the podcast. You're off the podcast. You're never coming back. But, <laughs> but like that's where you have like those action comedies that were like were actually hitting like that 2010 era. Like those were popular back then. You know, and he knows the landscape. You know, Tom Tom Cruise knows the landscape, but he ain't Leo. Leo's Leo. Yes, yes. Again, I agree. I'm just close comp. All right. Yeah. Easy pick. Uh historical setting too. Just our plump boy. We got we haven't talked about our plump boy in quite a long time. Seeing him back in the fold and seeing him arguably like with the I guess a co-lead for this Scorsese movie. I think they they've kind of walked back those comments that he was going to be the lead, like over like DiCaprio and De Niro, they've kind of said, okay, he's going to be in the movie. Stop that, <laughs> man! All right, my turn. <laughs> Babylon. Babylon's my pick. This is my pick to beat Killers of the Flower Moon for best picture this year. Calling it early. Okay. I'm sorry if you keep hearing my phone. Uh, my I can't computer, hear any. I know you can't, but like every time I record and I edit the podcast, I do hear the beeps. I hear it. And like, oh. I think every time it's usually Peyton trying to annoy me when I'm trying to record a podcast, but Babylon, Damien Chazelle, Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, Toby Maguire. Okay. We're going 1920s up to the 1950s. Hollywood. No one loves Hollywood more than Hollywood A-listers. And that's what we're getting in this movie. And we get Damien Chazelle who to me like really hasn't missed i feel like he like when i think of damien chazelle i actually think of like ryan coogler because they came up at similar times like obviously fruitvale station like around like 2013 michael b jordan and coogler then i think of whiplash looking at 2014 with like miles teller seeing that come up and you see chazelle moving on with la la land coogler moves on to creed and also black panther and they turn into like these premier young directors i feel like they're on a similar trajectory right now kugler obviously going more the mainstream route with black panther but also culturally significant but this is going to be cool because margot roby it seems like she can do anything right now seeing her as uh barbie has been sublime and like you almost feel like that's just going to be magical and it feels like the most perfect casting that's ever happened i can't wait for the trailer for this movie, um, I wonder like if we're gonna have like young Brad Pitt, and we're gonna like Brad Pitt seems like he can morph his body, can look young, and then he can also look like the age he's currently at right now. So is he gonna be in every one of these decades as we span through these decades of Hollywood as we go from silent movies to obviously the talkies? And Toby Maguire, how does he fit in here? Uh is he playing Chaplin? Is that in this movie or is that yes, in another is. project? He is playing Charlie Chaplin in this movie. Maguire as and... Chaplin. Excellent casting. Can we live up to the performance of one Oscar nominated uh, Robert Downey Jr.? But that just has me hyped, bro. Just to hear the idea of Toby Maguire playing Charlie Chaplin and he's not even like the core character. What other kind of like appearances are we gonna see in this movie through decades of Hollywood? It's gonna be exciting. I assume a mu musical number every once in a while with Chazelle. Babylon, baby. A musical number of Charlie Chaplin or dancing Charlie Chaplin. That would be great. Um, dancing McGuire, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be something. It's my um, I catch my prediction. It's going to be a transition period, right? Piece from silent movies to like talking talkies. It's going to be like, so I'm told, when you think of Toby McGuire now, no way home. He's on the older side. 
it's going to be an older Charlie Chaplin, maybe trying to like, he's hanging around Hollywood or something. But I think we're going to see more of a, not the like a not primetime Charlie Chaplin. So unfortunately, I don't know if we'll see a dance number. My prediction there. But my number two, and I think the easy thing to comp this to, what do we think about Hollywood movies that we just saw? We just saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Tarantino. I think a big difference Yank. with this. I was gonna, I was just gonna bring up Mank in a second, Sorry. but uh, no, no, all good. But Once Upon a Time, like that Tarantinoisms were there. I think the, like the Academy historically like gives him the writing creds, but never the best picture nod or the best director nod. Chazelle though, he's like a, he's a, a darling right now in Hollywood. I think that you'll see more likely he'll get a nod for this than like a Tarantino for Once Upon a Time, where Tarantino was just like kind of like in love with Hollywood. This is like probably gonna be more condensed cleaner and the academy is going to appreciate that more so i actually don't hate you picking that over kills of the flower moon for best picture but to say like imagine chazelle wins over scorsese and they're both like great movies that would be an uproar in film twitter i don't know that would be insane marvel fans would love it but this is going to be a hell of a production man and what we've seen we've seen a modern day hollywood take from Chazelle with La La Land. So it's like, okay, how is he going to show how it's transformed over time? Comparing those project. movies is going to be pretty cool. And this is the first one he's done since First Man, right? right? Back in 2018. Like this has been a project in the works for a long time. He's taken his time. He's got one of the greatest ensembles. Like we talked about this, like um, oversaturation of ensemble casts of just like name after name after name and all these like big, uh, not big budgeted, but like high profile productions from critically acclaimed directors. Um, I'm pumped for it. And uh, yeah, I guess that's pretty much all I can say about it. And I think it's going to do awesome. Uh, December release, I believe Christmas release. So it's oh, eyeing that award season, obviously. So moving on, second round. It's on to me. Assessing right now. Kills of the Fire Moon off the board. Babylon off the board. I think I'm going to. Go, don't worry, darling, as my next pick. I saw the trailer again uh, before I saw the black phone. And I got super hyped for this movie because I, I, I don't know. It's just something about post-World War II dystopian type of america and like nuclear family and like the rise of like cultish type behavior uh there is some real like intrigue i have with this movie what's going on with chris pine's character what is the ultimate uh gain from this movie almost has like a jordan peele type of vibe to it it's olivia wilde in her second directorial um appearance okay after book smart way different style of movie than book smart like we talked about jordan peele as like a young exciting director sticking with the horror genre we have olivia wilde just going a totally different direction than book smart but we know it's going to be a clever movie uh we have florence Pugh, who did we just saw her fir uh, first look at florence Pugh in dune part two with some set release photos that came out um and then I've mentioned Chris Pine, who looks like he is very much in the comeback trail right now. It looks like it's like the most excited I've been for him in a movie since Hell or High Water, you know? And I, I, that was like after Hell or High Water came out that like I was really like, wow. And then I first saw the trailer for Hell or High Water. I'm like, what the hell? Like, Chris Pine, who are you right now, you, you drunk bastard? Um, and then obviously Harry Styles. And like you just get – like uh, when we were watching that trailer in the movie theater yesterday, there was someone in the crowd – 
that saw Harry Styles and there's just like a buzz or like, oh my, they're like, I hear girls talking like that's Harry Styles. Oh my God, it's Harry Styles. Like, I feel like this is going to be somewhat of a sensation. It just has that vibe to it because Harry Styles is probably the biggest rock star on earth right now. And now he's going into acting. It's kind of like we just saw Elvis, right? Where you have like this major movie star, major music star, arguably the hu- the biggest on the planet, just foraying into movies. It just seems like he's becoming an icon at before our eyes. I didn't love him in Dunkirk, but seeing him like in those dancing scenes, like in this movie, I'm like, wow, this is going to be kind of cool. Yeah, no. And this, you're right. This, I, I did pick this in the draft before. And I remember I got a little blowback and I, and I kind of accepted it because we didn't really see much. We saw the set photos earlier, the previous year and how it blew up, uh, not just Twitter, but like the world, like Harry, Harry Styles, Florence Pugh, like this movie, just like, it kind of took over uh, like social media for like a month. And then there's a huge, huge, huge lull. And then we got the trailer. And I think the trailer, especially in a movie theater, looks good. It, this looks good. And I think you mentioned Harry Styles and the oohs and ahs. And is that Harry Styles in the crowd? That also benefits this movie as well. I had this at number four. So a good spot. Um, I would have had it next. So it stole it from me. I actually am really looking forward to this September 23rd. Another another huge ensemble, like Gemma Chan. I love Gemma Chan. Just like seeing her here, right? She's kind of on a meteoric rise night right now after Crazy Rich Asians. Well, you know. And now Eternals. And now here as a supporting role. And it seems like she might be up to no good as well. What were you going to say? You know who else is kind of on a bad run right now? And it's my guy, Chris Pine. Right. He's, he's not doing well. Like he, ever since Wonder Woman. He literally's done like one more in 1984. He's done The Outlaw King, the Netflix movie, The Contractor, all the old knives on Prime. Like he needs this movie to hit, and him in particular. In the trailer, he looks like a good villain. Let's Juiciest role off. by far. Yes, I I'm looking forward to him. This seems like it's going to be a masterclass by Pew, and the dystopian society is going to be interesting twists, similar to like a Jordan Peele. A lot of comps are going to that. But I feel like Chris Pine can get that juicy role and tackle it and get his career back on track because he he's coming out with a bunch of stuff coming. He's got Dungeons and Dragons next year, and that sounds stupid, but like that's actually a serious movie, and potentially another another Star Trek movie, right? And he's also playing Walter Cronkite, so like he's oh wow, this, I can I this, see that though with the hair. So if this hits, like he can go on a run, a nice run here. You brought up Florence Pugh, I think. This is interesting because I think this is, although it's a different time period, it feels like a very similar role to Midsummer, right? Where it's like this person who like thinks that she knows something's going on. She does know something's going on, but like, and it's almost like it's, she's like a fish out of water type. It feels like it's that type of role again. And she did so well in Midsummer, Midsummer there. I'm not criticizing her for doing a role like this again. It just, to me, has a similar vibe to it. Um. Do you have anything else to say, or you want to move on? Check around. No, no, I'm I'm ready to go because I up. have my firm number three here, and I picked it last time, and I think it, it's this the allure there is still the same. It's the Fablemans. All right, so just in case you forget, this is basically like a semi autobiography based on Stephen Spielberg's childhood, post war Arizona, um, and it's going to cover when he's seven to 18 so we're not going to see him making any films here right but it's going to him figuring out his love for movies but 
Again, we got Tony Kushner working with Steven Spielberg to direct this and write this, right? And then we got Michelle Williams, right, playing the mom. We've got Seth Rogen playing his uncle. We got Paul Dano playing his dad, right? So one of our pump boys. We got a great ensemble here. Pump boy number three. So we got a great ensemble here going forward. Steven Spielberg, he rarely misses, usually known as the box office king, along with another a man that might get drafted here. But he's going on a serious thing. This looks like it's going to be a passion project. Not to the same extent as Schindler's List, but clearly in Spielberg movies that we've talked about in the past, they have a strong connection, father-son or uh, absent father. And we're basically going to find out why he has that in all his films in this movie. Very intriguing. Definitely a kind of like a cinephile type of movie. If you love cinema or Steven Spielberg, you're going to love this, or you're, you're going to be interested in this. I got it at number four. I'm very happy with it there. Yeah, so like the father relationship seems to be a very much an underlying theme in, in almost all of his movies in some capacity, uh, some larger, some smaller. Uh, Paul Dano as the dad, I love that. Like I like he like I like he hasn't been missing. He really doesn't miss. He's very selective with his projects, and this is gonna be a very personal project, obviously for one Steven Spielberg, right? He's coming off a personal uh, yet another personal project where he wanted to do a musical. He does a, a rendition of West Side Story that's arguably better than the 1961 version that swept the Oscars. So now he seems to be really in his bag. He seems to have mastered this craft, and it's kind of cool that we're getting like a. A very personal, right? And we got a like a uh, award season release for the Fablemans going up against Scorsese. You know, like Spielberg and Scorsese being at the same Oscars is going to be so cool. It was, you know, what's going to happen. And um, and it's kind of cool also when we talk about Babylon, like young directors here, like Chazelle being like the next generation. When you have these two, it seems like we're like building up to something really special at the award season period. I don't, I don't know if like the Fablemans, I don't, I don't know if it's going to go too much into family. It's going to like irk audiences a little bit, but it seems like with a personal story with a, a director like Spielberg, it's going to earn acclaim no matter what, uh, or at least awards love. So I like this. Now this was, this is right around the same spot I had. Yeah. So my next pick, this is a tough one because now I'm trying to think of, all right, what movies do I really want to see? Right, like similar to like my pick in yesterday's draft, like I picked Chippendale for the sake of the pod, and also because I really enjoyed that movie this first half of the year. But I think I'm gonna go the other way, where it's like, okay, like the world needs to see this. We've been waiting for so long. The anticipation, I think, the levels are high. It's a sequel after a movie I didn't like, and it's Avatar: The Way of Water. Wow, I, I the trailer. After uh, Doctor Strange, we, we saw it after Doctor Strange on the IMAX screen for the first time before it got released uh, on social media because we saw Doctor Strange a couple days before the actual release date. Wow. Like, wow. Unbelievable. Really, like, everyone's jaw just dropped looking at it. And you, again, I sound like we're back in 2007, 2008, 2008 when we saw the trailer for the first one. But this one did not give away anything. Right, it just showed us the world and where they've been. I'm interested, but not like to the same extent as other people. But again, it's been 13 years, 14 years. It's time. 
you could do we call this a legacy sequel i know it's not but like no. that time that much <laughs> time like it was it was always going to be i know sequel. i'm like kind of joking but like at the end of the day it's 14 years <laughs> 14 years but i'm gonna go avatar way of water even though i didn't like the first one it sort of is legacy legacy sequel saying like does 3d still work in movie theaters <laughs> you know um dude and this is crazy because Avatar, obviously, people it was rivaling for Best Picture against Catherine Bigelow's, like James, uh, like James Cameron's ex-wife's, uh, The Hurt Locker, and Hurt Locker ended up winning Best Picture once again, dude. If we have Scorsese, Spielberg, and James Cameron as directors that are nominated for Best Picture, holy shit! <laughs> like, the, the, is that the best? Like, we could be looking at like potentially the greatest like like directors. a crop crop of best directors if this actually happens who knows like obviously there, there's very lofty expectations for the way of water it seems like uh avatar itself the 2009 release has not aged very well and uh so we'll see if they still if the academy still has yet still has the adoration for it but dude this trailer is fire i love it so much the the sound and the music it is so beautiful and when like when he says like our family is a fortress, I'm like, oh shit, I'm pumped up right now, bro. <laughs> like, like, let's Sam go. Sam Worthington's gonna put me through a brick wall right now. Holy yeah, crap, let's go. Our family is a fortress. Like, like it's a great. It's like the only line spoken in the trailer, and like we haven't gotten anything different, right? Like that was the only trailer we've had so far, I believe. And Christmas release, like it's gonna do numbers at the box office. And like I said earlier, it wasn't gonna make a billion dollars. I'm starting to walk that back a little bit as this uh, movie is approaching. Just because I think I was really impacted by Top Gun Maverick. Like mm -hmm. Top Gun Maverick makes a billion dollars. Like Avatar, obviously was the highest grossing movie of all time at one point, or still is actually. And <laughs> after the re-release, like in China, and take re retaking over Avengers Endgame, that mantle, I just think this is an interesting time for movie theaters where we have non-Marvel movies and non-superhero movies that are going to be making a billion dollars. And I think that's healthy for movie theaters. You know, that's a great thing. You know, your Thor Love and Thunder, which had a 68% drop-off, like MCU Phase 4 kind of struggling right now, but are movie theaters struggling? Not really, right? So the last dependency on the MCU, right? We got James Cameron like coming back to dominate box office and Tom Cruise dominating box office. That's cool. I love that. Yeah, this I think this is making over a billion. And I think this is the perfect trailer, especially first trailer. And it only because it only says that one little line, but that means so much, especially because it's a sequel. Right, I mentioned on the last pod, Wakanda Forever hasn't showed us anything, but we also haven't seen any set photos. Obviously, that's a weird situation, but this weekend we better see something at, Con at uh, San Diego uh, Comic Con. Like we we got to see something, it, and, and they could just show like no dialogue, but just show us like give us a hint of something. A that teaser. movie, that movie has so much pressure on it, bro. Yeah, just so just much pressure. Pick, no, it's fine. Like, like we'll see who picks it, and when we get to it, I got so many comments about that because I got a blog in the works right now. That I this is a breaking. This is like potentially a breaking point in the MCU. This next movie, it is so big for is so it, many reasons. I'll, I'll save my comments in case someone picks it. But uh, you're up. All right, so moving on to the end of the third round, I'm gonna go with Blonde. Blonde's by end of the third round. This one is so much hype for it, bro. We have Anna de Armas playing Marilyn Monroe. We get our first teaser, Andrew Dominic film. Okay, exciting director. Uh, we had 
the potential NC-17 rating. I think, was that confirmed that it's going to be NC-17? It'd be NC-17. It's going to be NC-17. I don't even think that makes it. Can you even be eligible for the Oscars if you're NC-17? No. Holy crap. I think this is going to be something else. It doesn't seem like we've had some Marilyn Monroe projects in recent years. Um, did Michelle Williams play Marilyn Monroe? Yeah. And yeah. I think she was nominated for an Oscar. But this is going to be racy. This is going to be like an unhinged like version of Marilyn Monroe. Like no, no ball, like no, no, no holds bar. Uh, I mean, like she's such an like, electric figure. One of the most, if not the most, pop famous or pop culture. I like, I guess level female celebrity we've ever had, right? Marilyn Monroe, like you still have college kids that have Marilyn Monroe posters in their dorms. And they, this is 2022, bro, 2022. And people still care about Marilyn Monroe. Um, she's still, for some reason, is such a, a fascinating figure. She has had such interesting relationships, quote unquote, interesting with a lot of like figures whether it's joe dimaggio or even jfk like are those characters going to make appearances here they like show like Anna the armist and the teaser recreating iconic moments it's almost like austin butler-esque with elvis right we have something similar going on on the armist and uh i think we're going to see a sensitive side to marilyn monroe that she was uh i guess known for i guess when she was private on her own rather than the bombastic version we see on the cover of magazines and in movies so i'm, I'm interested to see like honor the armist's chops because this kind of was supposed to be like the year of honor the armist and it's kind of faded away a little bit when you think about what deep water was supposed to be and how that movie got chopped up and then it never hit theaters and went straight to hulu we have the gray man which isn't doing well right no time to die last year it kind of has a strip screen time so this is like her 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 moment now like blonde is going to be like all eyes on her and trust me all eyes are going to be on on at the armist like bonk <laughs> me if you want thank you um but yeah blonde third rounder i had it seven just because nc17 on the armist marilyn monroe i can't tell you a marilyn monroe movie i i, I really don't know anything i don't even know the michelle williams the, one i i didn't know that but I mean, like Marilyn Monroe, like herself. Like I, I honestly don't even know, like Marilyn Monroe, what she's done besides the controversy she's been in. But she's such a iconic figure in history. It's like I'm so interested. like a hot, right? So like a hot. Don't I, again? I don't. I can't tell you a movie she's acted in. Like I, I really don't know. But um, it's just funny because even to this day, in 2022, and back in like 50s and 60s, she was. That's when like her prime was. Um, I'm just interested to see, like you said, JFK, Joe DiMaggio. I'm looking at the INDB right here, and uh, there's the president is casted, but not like JFK specifically. And then there's a the president's pimp is casted as well. Is there any recognizable names on this cast list? Oh God, yeah, dude, Adrian Brody's in this movie. Nice, dude. Yeah, he's I thought he's playing Joe this. DiMaggio, right? No, he's playing the playwright. Mm. Um, you know who probably is playing Joe DiMaggio? But is listed as the ex. Oh, let me guess. Let me guess. Bobby Cannavale. Yeah, yeah we have talked about it on the. Podcast. I was gonna say, even if even if we didn't talk about it, like if I had to guess, someone playing Joe DiMaggio and playing with an Italian accent in the 1950s era, it's gonna be Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. So like Casper Phillipson is the president. He looks like he'll probably he looks like a JFK. Like they could do him up to be JFK looking. So this looks like that would be that. Like it's just it's gonna be interesting just by the controversies alone. 
obviously like we have an ex-athlete, but it's probably going to Joe DiMaggio. We have probably a JFK. We have a JFK pimp. Like that's kind of like tells you what this movie is going to be with NC-17 rating. So I can't wait to see it. Will it be great? I don't care. I think it will be good. Um, disappointed. I, I'm not disappointed with the NC-17 rating, but like I actually would be interested to see if this would compete at the Academy Awards. And again, last thing, this is a Netflix movie, right? What comes out the same weekend? Don't worry, darling, in theaters. Wow, that's going to be... That's going to be, I, I think I read that somewhere. I don't know if was a tweet that came out and I read that they're coming out in the same day. Like that's going to be interesting release date war right there. Uh, all right. So that's going to be the end of the third round. Moving on to the fourth. I'll make this quick. I drafted this last time. I'm doing Glass Onion, a Knives Out story. Uh, once again, excellent ensemble. What was the first Knives Out known for? Like the meshing of such eccentric and iconic characters not iconic eccentric characters famous actors in a whodunit and uh, a well-developed story and um incre- like incredible performances from like characters like chris evans and Anna to armis and you talk about what uh daniel craig was able to put together daniel craig's returning uh we got who and who do you got this one we have Catherine Hahn, you got Dave Bautista, you got Ethan Hawke. Like, who else is in this one, Ricky? Fine. Leslie Odom Jr. Leslie Odom Jr., uh, Janelle Monet, Kate, Kate, like, uh, Kate Hudson, Hudson, you know? That's it. So, like, seeing her return to, like, more prestige type of movies, okay, or at least recognizable, like, movies with acclaimed directors. Like, literally, we talked about her as, like, I think we drafted her or I drafted her in the – um failed to live up to potential draft because what has she done other than rom-com since almost famous pretty much nothing uh so like seeing her here i think like she could have like i see i can see her playing a rich like 50s like i guess milf on a yacht like i could see that happening you know uh yeah so that that's kate hudson right there for you uh, so glass on your knives out sequel can he can ryan johnson repeat the success from 2019 we shall see I had this at number six. I had this one spot ahead of Blonde, so it's interesting to take him back to back here. Yeah, I agree. The Glass Onion, I don't love that name. That feels like, oh, they were pushing too hard on the Benoit Block donut donut hole. I, I don't like that. Hopefully we're not pushing too hard uh, right now in this franchise, now franchise and IP. But other than that, still looking forward to it a lot, especially after the huge success of Knives Out, not just critically, but also at the box office. And for this to get go to netflix right netflix to buy this for 350 or 400 million and now we're getting rumors netflix struggling for subscribers first ever lost last quarter of subs looking like they're going to lose another 2 million subscribers this past quarter mm-hmm. not looking good for them they're doing an ad supported service now partnering up with microsoft and what are you hearing potentially leaning on knives out to be their first ever theatrical release to get some more money coming in because they need it bad so and it did so well. It did so right. well theatrically. So if this gets a theater release, not only that shows how bad Netflix is doing and how poorly they've been spending money. Look, a la the Gray Man paid two hundred fifty million dollars for that for that budget, but they have to put this back in theaters, which, as the drive-in podcast, we would love. Yeah, I remember. I also remember when we talked about this movie last time. Like glass, when we found out the name was gonna be Glass Onion, we one of my favorite lines of this podcast is that we said it was like the name of like a ninth grade short story that you read, like the monkey's paw, a glass onion, monkey's yes. paw. Like that, that just came to me, like, um, at least that memory. So, yeah, 
don't know. It, like, are we gonna go, are we gonna grow sick of the accent from Benoit Blanc? I don't know. It seems like we have some accent fatigue. We don't necessarily like our Hollywood A-listers sporting like uh, an unfamiliar voice. Like, look at Tom Hanks there. But uh, I don't know. It seems like people liked it in Knives Out, and it was something different. And like Daniel Craig, it's, I like. We see him. He's going away from James Bond now. We saw like he was going to make that cameo appearance in uh, Into the Multiverse of Madness, um, potentially as a hero for uh, a short term, probably not for the long term in the MCU. But like seeing him, I guess in something other than James Bond, and like maybe making another role, like something to return to. Like I assume, like he's going to be in the third Knives Out story. He's going to continue these stories as long as they're successful. Um, Looking forward to it, you know. Just see if they can just re rehash that magic. You're up end of fourth round. Okay. Now, so what I did is I just wrote down a bunch of movies, and I ranked ranked them, of course. But then I like stopped at seven because the rest I'm like, I, like I either have seen trailer for, but it's like, is it really ahead of this movie that's critically acclaimed? No. Am I going to do like an Avatar 2 type of pick? I think I am because I kind of want to talk about it. Wakanda Forever. I haven't seen anything. There's no plot to it. But I think just the sheer anticipation of what are they going to do? The post-Chadwick Boseman era. Ryan Coogler coming back to direct, right? Like, that's huge, I think. Coogler, like, already putting up his resume, right? I think this is a big-time movie. And I, like you said, I after you said it, I completely agree. This might be a turning point for the MCU. Phase four struggling. Disney Plus shows struggling, right? At least critically, right? And word of mouth is not going the right way. And you have this, but you have the Black Panther friend or IP here without the Black Panther, and you have a great director. But it's like you're hearing there's issues on set related to Letitia Wright, right? You're hearing like we haven't gotten a show yet. This movie comes out in two months or three months, excuse me. And again, like if they don't do a good job, like paying homage to Chadwick Boseman, then maybe they you you have like Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett, all these famous actors coming to do these movies. Maybe they they don't do a good job with it with Chadwick Boseman, and then it's like oh like they don't treat like their actors properly, and they bow out going into the future. I think this could be a turning point. I I'm pretty sure you're probably gonna see something different, but I could totally see this being a turning point, like you said. Yeah, so like not even just a turning point. I think it's a breaking point with a lot of people. You've had a lot of Disney Plus shows from the last two years. Uh, we've had, what, six different Disney Plus shows already to this point. Uh, we've had already, I think, what, three different movies within the past seven months in the MCU. There's a certainly a type of fatigue that's happening, but also not only fatigue, it seems like there's been a drop in quality. It seems like the CGI has been disappointing to say the least when you look at multiverse of madness into thor love and thunder then the cgi and the tv shows usually right those are under budgeted compared to the films and you see like those people that are working on these films like they got to be exhausted because like they got to move from one project to the other um so and we've seen other than no way home there hasn't been an overwhelming hit from marvel it seems like every single one of them uh if you're not a marvel fan you just watch those movies for like okay assessing and evaluating those movies i think they're pretty divisive okay when you look at like thor love and thunder multiverse of madness like shang chi i think was more positive and almost unexpected hit right but eternals mostly negative 
Okay, Black Widow, I would say uh, not overwhelmingly, but also negative. Like we need another hit in the MCU to prove that they still deserve to reign at the top. It's not just formulaic. It's not just like, okay, we can turn out, we can bring out these characters you're familiar with and we can keep on going, right? These shows are introducing new characters, kind of failing, right? We got RDJ gone, Chris Evans gone, Chadwick Boseman not coming back. You talked about it. How are audiences going to react to what Ryan Coogler chooses to do? There's been a lot of rewriting of this script, okay? Also, this movie, it's following up a Best Picture winner, right? We Oh, no, excuse me, nominee. Similar to like Avatar, okay? Sequel coming up. Right, we have a culturally even more a culturally significant movie that was Black Panther. Right, that actually did win a couple Academy Awards. All right, now has to live up to that um, pedestal, right? That it, or the precedent it set for itself. And then uh, going beyond that, like you also have like characters like Namor being introduced. Namor the Submariner, which is a major Marvel character, right? That fans have been looking forward to. Are you going to honor like the legacy of that character from the comic books and implement it into the MCU properly, right? There's just so much going on with this movie. Who's going to take up the mantle? Should they recast Black Panther itself? There are so many different dynamics going on with this movie. It has to be on this list because it's just you're just licking your chops to see what how everything's going to play out whether it's going to be good or bad you know you just want to see yeah that's exactly why because like you don't you don't necessarily have like an a-lister driving this movie right to like for anticipation like you did with like leo right you don't necessarily have like like the marvel power right now isn't as strong as what it used to be right I guess those that those two combinations makes it so weird because you still have the director, you still have a great ensemble around it, right? And you still have the allure of the MCU, but just not as strong as it once was. But going forward, I think this is a, a November 11th, so we, this is pretty far out. But we're gonna see a teaser this week, and I'm I'm almost sure of it, at least images. And I I, I think that's the most important thing I think this weekend has in store related to this Comic Con. I'm willing to guarantee we're going to get a trailer. I'm willing to guarantee it. Okay. At this point, if we haven't gotten any looks yet and they want to basically squash any controversy that's remained, like the rumors that are swirling about this movie. Um, But yeah, I think the fans, or at least maybe even Marvel themselves, kind of took for granted that 2016 to 2019 run that the MCU had where you went from Civil War. And then 2017, you got Ragnarok, and then you have obviously Infinity War, Black Panther, Endgame. Like that is an insane run of blockbuster hits, right? And that's a high level of blockbuster you have to live up to. And it also created a the greatest phase in the history of the MCU with Phase Three. Like Phase Four, what direction are we heading in? Will this movie? Point us into any type of direction because we are now what? This is the sixth movie in phase through phase four? Six? Black Widow, Eternals, this. Shang-Chi. Thor. Spider-Man. Shang-Chi. Spider-Man. Seven. Uh, uh, Doctor Strange. Wow. Like, there's been this many movies. Like, every phase of the MCU has, like, six or seven movies. Like, it's not usually this big. So, the fact that we if we don't get a direction after this movie, it might be, like, Marvel's kind of just like, we don't know what to do exactly. Or you just have to introduce this whole different, like, 
I, I don't even know. I, I, I don't know because they're not introducing anything, you know? Like, I, it doesn't seem like they, they said there's incursions, there is multiverse, there's this, and maybe one or two projects, maybe two or three. But these other projects, we just watched Thor, Love, and Thunder, they couldn't give a crap about what was happening outside of their own little world there. And they couldn't give a crap. And, like, a and that's what we build like, as an audience. We're like, yo, like, I get it, but you built it up. Uh, a, a marvel experience like quote unquote you have to build towards a larger story because that's what we're used to and when you come off the biggest phase in the history of the mcu with no direction with the next one that like, people are going to start like asking questions and criticizing i completely agree and i think it's interesting not to bring dc into it because my next pick is not going to be a dc movie here but Again, like their DCEU, like it's such a mess. I'm not saying Marvel's going to become that, but what I'm trying to say is what's been successful to them? These independent solo stories. Marvel, they're not going to do that anytime soon, but it just goes to show like, yeah, you can do it for a certain amount of time, this franchise, this universe, but like maybe universes run their courses. They don't have to continue it for decades, right? Maybe a universe runs its course, but obviously money ip just keeps going in that flow of direction people committed to the mcu mcu right now and this particular universe but after if they don't do a good job with this you could see after a year three unsuccessful critical acclaim movies it could it could struggle yeah and like this comes at such a crucial time too because we're introducing the x-men and the fantastic four still on the horizon like we they're, they're not even there yet and if you got people already dismissing the MCU before they even arrive or Deadpool, it's that's a very scary situation. Like, what if the box office numbers start dwindling? Those Disney Plus numbers, like, I just want them to get rid of the shows and focus on the movies, but they will never do that because of obviously the streaming wars that you've talked about numerous times on this show. It's just, I wish they cared more about the quality, and I think they need to also reduce the number. You can't have four TV shows and three movies in a year and still expect to look like phase three. That is almost impossible, you know? Yeah, I, I completely agree. But tough to move on from that, but I'm going to try. And just looking at our board right now, we have all these either blockbuster, IP, or just the anticipation is high with these ensemble casts or I'm looking at Dorton Roy Darling just took over social media or Blonde. Marilyn Monroe. Let's go something completely different. We just saw a trailer out of the blue a couple weeks ago. See how they run. The Sam Rockwell, Sasha Ronan movie coming out. Um, this comes out. When does this come out? Uh, September 9th. Okay. This is a whodunit. Okay. This cast, Sam Rockwell is the lead. Adrian Brody's in this as well. Um, and a bunch of names who you'll recognize, like David Oyelowo, who played Martin Luther King Jr. in Selma. And yeah, a bunch, oh, thank you. And a bunch of other people that you'd recognize that Ruth Wilson, uh, Harris, uh, Harris Dickinson, like a lot of people that you know. And again, the synopsis, a desperate Hollywood film producer sets out to turn a popular play into a film when members of the production are murdered, world-weary Inspector Stoppard, and rookie Constable Stalker, that's Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan, find themselves in the midst of a puzzling whodunit. I love whodunits. We're, on the, we're in the whodunit phase right now. And I think that this has been enough time between Knives Out. This comes out before Knives Out too. I think it's very interesting. Sam Rockwell, he's now in the stage where 
he's very selective with his projects now. And he's always been a great actor. He's had a long come up, very long and patient come up. He's now A-listing in this type of movie with an Oscar winner and Adrian Brody, up-and-coming actress or that he's partnered with, a supporting actress, Saoirse Ronan. It's got that Knives Out vibe to it, but also kind of like a Wes Anderson awkwardness comedy vibe to it, but not too awkward and cringy. I like that. I'm like, I like the trailer. I'm interested to see what's going to happen. I pick See How They Run as my last pick. Yeah, See How They Run. I remember when that trailer came out a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it was just Wes Ander under a pseudonym. I just thought that this was him. This was his movie. Um, very much, it seems like they're almost hijacking his style. I do like this cast a lot. Um, yeah, like Sam Rockwell and Sorcerer Ronan. That's great. Brody. Like, like even these are like Sorcerer Ronan and Adrian Brody. We're talking about re, like frequent collaborators with Wes Anderson. So it, it almost gives that vibe even before like they put in like the whodunit type of like vibe because Wes Anderson has also had those type of vibes in his movies. Um, yeah, I like this pick. Good diversity, um, smaller scale in movie. And I think it's going to work well with my final pick, uh, with my Mr. Irrelevant. I'm going to go with Armageddon Time. Armageddon Time, James Gray movie, um, Lost City of Z. If you guys don't know who James Gray is, uh, with Pattinson, Charlie Hunnam. Uh, who else in that movie? Someone else Tom Holland for a brief Holland, time. Holland, yes, that's it. Uh, so he's doing a personalized story, kind of like the Fablemans for uh, Spielberg. Armageddon Time is like James Gray's story, and it's got – Jeremy Strong in it, and he's the lead. And that's why I think I'm really drawn to this. Like, when it comes to James Gray's life, like, I don't know as much about his life, even though, even though it's kind of been implemented into his movies. Uh, this one is very much, I heard, or I read, I should say, I read that it's very much, like, uh, related to, like, his upbringing and, like, as, like how he grew up, uh, rather than just an allusion to it. Jeremy Strong, Anne Hathaway, Anthony Hopkins, uh, this did really well at Cannes, and uh, I, I'm I, like people are talking about it, people are buzzing about it. I remember reading a lot of tweets about it. This is a movie uh, I want to see Jeremy Strong like translate success from Succession to the big screen, and uh, I think this is a great opportunity to do so. And it seems like he's gonna like go on a run after this. Anne Hathaway, I kind of like missed her too. I think she's a really talented actress. I don't think she like she was. I didn't watch We Crashed. I think I heard that she was excellent in We Crashed. Did you watch that one? No, I did not. Seems like that'd be up your alley. Yeah, it so, definitely is Adam Newman business entrepreneurial type movie. That's Ap Apple TV. Yeah, we crashed. I probably watched it at some point. But like, aren't you rooting for our boy Jeremy Strong? Like, I feel oh, like he's God, been yeah. done dirty. Like with that 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 I forgot what. I think it was the New Yorker had a uh, article on him kind of bashing him and his method style and like his come up as an actor and like kind of made him look like an a-hole. And I, I'm like, come on, dude. Like you just get nominated for another Emmy uh, for succession this season. Like he's more than just that succession role. Like I'm convinced of it. I didn't like him in the gentleman. I think he was going way too hard there trying to be some, like almost felt like uh, Samuel Jackson in Kingsman type vibes. Analogy. You know, I didn't like that as much. I felt like he like did, which I just wasn't comfortable watching. It just didn't seem like it fit him. Uh, yeah, just I always want to go back to like just doing his thing. You know, I want him in this movie I, to be a beast. I think you're missing a big uh, name out of this. But I, I said I said Anthony Hopkins. Oh, okay, I missed it. 
No, hmm. I, I think these people sharing the screen, Jessica Chastain, Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong, Anthony Hopkins sharing the screen is going to be something. And yes, my only worry. Chastain. Uh, okay, that was the one. But uh, James Gray is an unbelievable filmmaker. I am looking forward to this a lot as a cinephile. But I, I, I guess just like this feels like it's going to be slow. Slow burn of a movie that's all about like family quarrels. And it might get annoying at times. I think it's if I had to guess, I'd probably I'm probably gonna score it just looking at it 88 based off the cast, based on James Gray, based on like passion project, but I, I that's it's based off the images. They're sitting around a kitchen table, like they all older, like it just looks slow to me. So that's why I didn't pick it. But I totally understand the buzz around it is that it's one of the best movies of the year. So yeah, it's it should be on our list. I'm glad you picked it. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. I fully anticipate like this being a slower type movie, and uh, I'm okay with that. Like I, I, I enjoy those type of movies. Um, dude, are you a big uh, We on the Night guy? Well, Joaqu- Joaquin, Joaquin, yeah. yeah, James Gray also directed that. Now, yeah, that's not uh, like- not not as nearly as slow as I'm expecting this to be. I like we on the night. I think that's it's kind of low key a banger. Um, I like that's one that I like that you that was on. I think was it AMC? It was on a lot. I don't really remember. I feel like we own that DVD somewhere in the house. But I like I like seeing like Mark Wahlberg actually wasn't too bad in that movie. But uh, no, I like seeing Joaquin go off. That like that's the role that he did. Go, wants he, to Joaquin was good in that movie. That 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 third act is kind of crazy. Went in the fields there. That was like a bonkers, not like all over the place as in like the script, but like all over the place and like, holy crap, this is like my, heart, my heart's racing at the end of the movie. Right. hundred uh, percent. All right. That's going to do it for our 10 movies. I'm going to list them right now and then we'll go over any honorable mention. Uh, Ricky Flex has Killers of the Flower Moon. He has The Fablements. He has Avatar, The Way of Water. He's got Wakanda Forever and See How They Run for the rest of 2022. Dr. Rowe has Babylon. Damien Chazelle's got Don't Worry Darling, Blonde, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Story, and Armageddon Time, Ricky Flicks. Any honorable mentions? So I almost picked this at my my fifth pick here, and this might be a shocker to you. I almost picked, like, the Mario movie coming out around Christmas time. Yo, you're crazy. (laughs) That's coming out this year? Yes, think about it. So Chris Pratt. Right, playing Mario. Who's playing Luigi? Charlie Day. What does this make you think of? Lego movie. Lego movie, right? Who's playing Princess Peach? Anya Taylor Joy. Wait, wait. Um, what was it? Was he the astronaut guy, right? Charlie yes. Day? Yeah. The space the, the needle, the needle, yeah. space needle or something. And he, he made the double couch. <laughs> yeah, because you can only build like this ship or a couch. Yeah, that movie's fire. Um I love Jack Black. Oh no. Sorry, Chris Pratt built a double couch. Sorry, I don't know what I was thinking. So I, I just I, I love the Lego movie. But th- think, th- look at this rest of this cast. Jack Black is Bowser. Okay, I, lo- I love anything with Jack Black. Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. Too perfect. Watch Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, and that's even more perfect. Doctor Keegan Michael Key's Toad, like mm. Red Ar- Ar- Armisen, like Portlandia, and you'll recognize him from SNL. He plays Cranky Kong. 
Like, this is going to be hilarious. I'm interested in seeing the animation to this movie, to be honest. Like, is it's it going to look big. like, is it going to look like Nintendo type of animation? Is that what it's going to look like? That'd be kind of cool. Like, I'm thinking Mario Party type animation. Wow. Okay. Um, but also, this synopsis is hilarious. Just the first two words, for four words. A plumber named Mario mm-hmm. travels through an underground le- labyrinth with his brother Luigi trying to save a captured princess. Feature film adaptation of the popular video game. I love that. I almost picked it. I, I, I'm not going to. I, I didn't, I mean. But, like, I'm actually really excited to see this. Yeah, I, 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 it was a guilty pleasure as a young kid. But, like, watching the live-action Mario with Bob Hoskins was always great. And John Leguizimo. I, don't, I never right. know how to pronounce that dude's name. But like that watching that was a guilty pleasure. Oh my god, that's the movie I was gonna draft. The menu, bro. Oh yeah, I, the trailer looked pretty bro. Good. I, I I literally after I said that guy's name, like he has a small role in that movie. He's, you know, he's just gonna like die in like five seconds. But like, sorry, I'm going on a tangent for a second. That movie I should have drafted. I, I wish I could go back and change Armageddon time to the menu. Like Nicholas Holt there, Ralph Fiennes, Anya Taylor Joy. That movie looked crazy and i feel like i hope hopefully it's not just like a, another cannibal movie like hopefully like there's a different spin on it this time um sorry i went on that tangent but yes i'm excited for mario mario to be honest after like hearing that cast and it very much has like lego lego the lego movie vibes i'm telling you man lego movie like they nailed the animation there mario like lego it's like the actual legos like if mario could nail the animation here with this casting voice and the hype around the voice of mario right i think that's big as well you see that on film twitter big and then go back to the menu that was also on my list um like on my border range just because of the cast the trailer was interesting but i am nervous it gets too formulaic to other cannibalistic type yeah i'm just things. like it's just gonna be like i need people yeah i just need something I don't know. I'm like, I'm not nervous that it won't be good. I'm just nervous that it's not going to be original. And I like, I like all the actors involved. I think, I think a a naive Nicholas Holt is going to be funny. And then Anya Taylor-Joy just is going to own the screen. And Ralph Fiennes is going to be a great duel. Like it's going to be a great dueling between him and Anya. Uh, Cool. Uh, I, I also had, no one said Amsterdam. I don't have this on my most anticipated. We both didn't like the trailer. Um, I also had the whale. I, I I had this more for Brendan Fraser, a twenty four, right where he plays a six hundred pound man in a uh, Aaron Aronofsky film. I'm scared of Aronofsky movies, <laughs> especially after Mother. Like I, I don't know if I'll ever want to see one again, but I'll see it for our plump boy Fraser. I assume Ricky Flix is looking up the release date for that movie to make sure it's coming out this year. So when I did the Google para- parameter, it doesn't have a release date. Hmm. Oh, you know who's in this movie? Oh my God! Besides Brendan Fraser, is uh, um, Sadie Sink, uh, Max in Stranger Things. I think I think I remember seeing that because like discussing films addicted to tweeting about like the next projects for Stranger Things stars, and the people are loving Sadie Sink. But yeah, I did I I did actually see that. Okay, so maybe I'm, it's his daughter. Yes, that's what it says in the movie. It's gonna be his daughter. Um, um adding on, no- I like. Oh, sorry, what were you gonna say? Something no, about I'm just the saying, whale. Like, I, I've jumped on IMDb. I've jumped everywhere. There is not a release date anywhere, but it was supposed to come out in 2021. So, like, this should come out this year. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Is it, is it a streaming movie or is it going to be in theaters? I know it's A24. This is 
Definitely. I, I, I only see A24 distribution, so I'm guessing this is going to be in theaters. Gotcha. Um, to go along with that, a uh, couple of major IPs. We don't pick Black Adam. That's coming out in what? We got that. That's going to be early fall. October 21st. Wow. October 21st. We're getting the Black Adam release pushed back once again. Uh, Creed 3. People forgetting Creed 3, I think, comes out this year. We got Jonathan Majors playing the villain as opposed to like a, like Michael B. Jordan's character. Yo, is he playing like Clubber Lang's like kid? Like, what can we expect here? That's what everyone's saying. I don't know. Uh, it's also Michael B. Jordan's first uh, directorial debut. That's big, I think. Oh, yeah. I forgot he's directing. Yeah, because he's helping out with the the Black Superman project over at HBO and DC. This is going to be big to see if uh, he's got the chops to be a uh, big-time director. This is a big franchise, big IP, and it's his. He's so going the Stallone route, bro. This is the exactly. Stallone route with Rocky. I this, is, this had a little star next to it saying, don't forget about this, target this, but I ended up going for big IP and then very small scale, see how they run. Speaking I, of small, oh, sorry, I did. Guys. I didn't love uh, Creed two. I do. I must say, it's hurting. Us. Why, Creed two. That's why, like, I feel like Creed, like that. That was like so unique. Like as in, like, oh, it's not Rocky. It's gonna be Apollo Creed. That's that's really awesome. I'm looking forward to that. But then and you were looking forward to Creed two because Creed one was so good, and then that was kind of a letdown. Too now, strong of a connection to Rocky, rather than more of exploring Adonis. You know, and like mm. they kind of tried to do it, and were like. Like with him having the kid and everything, and the loss of Tessa, Tessa Thompson, her character, her her hearing and everything, and the struggles he went through. But at the same time, they all they all made it so much about Drago, so much of it was about Drago. Yes, so uh, so much. Um, okay, I almost picked another one similar to see how they run, but I feel like this is starting to get a little buzz, and it's the Banshees of Ina mm, McDonough, your boy Martin McDonough, because you love you're an in Bruges guy. Mm-hmm. I like him, Bruges, a lot. Not only, I'm not only because of Martin McDonough, bro. I know, but hold on, hold on. You got Seven Psychopaths as well, which I love. Three Billboards Outside uh, Ebbing, Missouri, which I love. Won an Oscar for that. Um, I'm sorry, nominated for that. That didn't win anything. But um, as in, just, like, we, yes, Sam Rockwell won, whatever. But um, to reunite with Martin McDonough, we got Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson back. All right. And then you add on similar to like we mentioned Anya Taylor Joy on the come up. Who else is on the come up? Similar age? Barry Keen. Barry Keen is in this movie alongside oh, these two. This is going to be about two lifelong friends who find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. So I'm guessing Colin Farrell, Brandon Gleason were friends. And then one of them decides not to be. Um, my guess is Brandon Gleason, right? Or it's Colin Farrell younger. I don't know. It's it's gonna be interesting. And then Barry Keen's gonna somehow. I, I love the dynamics where the big three's back together, and you throw Barry Keen inside this mix. I think another Irish. Do, I think he would do well in like a like a like a yeah another Irish dude. I think he would do well in a McDonough movie with some banter going on. He always seems like Keen. He seems like an alpha when he's on screen, even though he's a smaller guy. He does command like attention, whether it's like. Uh, killing of a sacred deer, even in Eternals. He was like my favorite part of Eternals, and he just commanded it when he was on in such a huge cast. He, to me, he was the most impressive performer. And obviously we saw like what he did as Joker and the Batman. Like, like if you put anything with Barry Keenan in it, I'm watching it. 
Like to me, he's like in that category. Like, like I wanted him to be Floyd Rafa so bad. Floyd Roth. I know Austin Butler got the role, but if Barry Keen was that. I was like, damn, that'd be even better. In my opinion. Menacing. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Um, and Austin Butler, maybe a little more physical. Like I could mm-hmm. see him fighting uh Paul Trades. We got a synopsis Keen. for Dune, by the way. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see. I did like the synopsis. That's like what I wanted to see. Uh but I guess moving on, or else we do we want to read the synopsis or no, we'll do it in the checkup later. Okay. This week. Um Another one. This is the last one I almost picked. I keep saying almost. I was tuddling, tuggling between three. Uh, the Space Band, the Netflix movie Shoot, with Adam Sandler. Is that this year? It says it's this year. It's been twenty twenty two consistent. Dano. It's Paul Dano again. Man. Again, we mentioned very selective in his roles, and again, it's, it's starring Adam Sandler. You know who else is in this movie? Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan, and she's starring in She Said, which just came out with that trailer, right? We'll talk about that on the checkup as well. But it's about this guy, Jacob Poroshowski, Shashka, orphaned as a boy, raised in the Czech countryside by his grandparents, overcomes his odds to become the country's first astronaut. And if you look at the casting list on IMDb, it says, like, Adam Sandler's playing Jacob. So I'm guessing Paul Dano, maybe a younger Jacob? I'm not sure what's going to happen here. Like, it's going to be very interesting um, besides those three, there's not really a big cast here on IMDb. Uh, I love the idea of Sandler and Dano in a movie together. That's that sounds mm. so great. It would be cool if like Dano was his son or something. I don't know, but the film's in post production, so that means like yes, if this wants to have like a November, maybe since nine thousand November December release for Netflix, definitely possible if it's already in post production in July. That's cool. That's cool. And uh, I'd like if that comes out this year, it'd be a pleasant surprise. I would love to have two Sandler hits on on Netflix this year. Uh, I was surfing through Netflix and I saw like some random Chris Rock and Sandler movie that I'd never heard of. I don't know if it, yeah, I think it came out last year, maybe it's a couple years ago. It was just something I just it just I usually hear about like the do over or whatever. Um Missy or whatever, Sandy Wexler. I like I'll hear about these comedies. From Sandler, I never watched them, but there's one I just saw with Chris Rock. I'm like, what the hell is this movie? And uh, I don't know if it came out in recent, like last year or something, or even this year. Are you looking it up right now? Yeah. Um, is it your uh, no nature? No, no it, it would it would have to be. You are so not invited to my bat mitzvah. It's filming right now, so no. No, that wasn't it. It was something else. Maybe it was just a cameo from Rock or something, but I was in like the the preview for like the movie on Netflix. You know how it plays automatically mm-hmm. so loud and before I don't really want to hear anything, it just plays automatically. Um, yeah, don't worry about it. All right. That's all I got for honorable mentions. Quick three that I weren't going to pick, but I thought you might pick. Asteroid City, Wes Anderson movie with the huge cast. Probably not happening this year. Okay, and then uh, White Noise, Greta Gerwig. Yo, when's uh, that coming out? 2022 Netflix. Um, again, White Noise, that seems like it's going to be another. No bomb back. No bomb back. It's about family dealing with conflict. So It's, it's like a $200 million dollar budget about a famous novel. Like, it's, like people are really, people love this book. And uh, I think. I don't, I don't know. People just adore this book. And like at like Adam Driver goes through a, a crazy transformation for this movie. He's like overweight old man, the like gray hair. I guess it might take place over a certain set of years. But yeah, it's him and Greta Gerwig. Is that right? 
Yep, and uh, Don Cheeto also was in this movie too, which is interesting. And then the final one that I just wanted to mention because I think we're forgetting about it because he's this man has been in a lot of stuff recently, and it's Christian Bale in The Pale Blue Eye. Now, this is also a 2022 movie, I guess, and it's shocking, but this is about, we've talked about this in the checkup because it follows a veteran detective who investigates the murders helped by a detail-oriented young cadet who will later become a world-famous author, Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, yeah. And remember who's playing this? Harry Melling. (laughs) Yo, this is going to be a lame movie. <laughs> I'm just telling Harry you Harry Melling and Christian Bale I together know, on like, the screen. That's Edgar what Allen Robert Poe, I'm thinking, in this. Edgar Allan Poe, I'm thinking like 1830s England, bro. Like, uh, unless it's Sherlock Holmes, get this out of my face. Like, I don't, like, I don't know. Christian Bale? I, I, I know. I, I get think it. he's on. He's the same he's, thing as Leo. But, like, Leo would never do this movie. <laughs> like, Leo would never do that. Detective movie. Like Leo, Leo's kind of doing a lame story right now, technically, but you're starring alongside De Niro, Clemens, Scorsese in it. Like, who's directing this pale blue eye? Uh, yeah, it's uh, Scott Cooper. So, Scott Cooper uh, okay. did Hostiles, Black Mass, yeah. Out of the Furnace. So, he's Crazy working on Hostiles. Yeah. So, I like yeah, Crazy Heart. Out of the Furnace. Yeah. So, uh, no, but yeah. like, uh, to me, like, I'm gonna, like, I'll watch it for bail. But like to think it's it's definitely not like most anticipated for me, you know. Yeah. But it's I, something I, I some, it's something I will watch. I will watch. I don't even know if I'll see that in theaters though. Like that better. I be am seeing Christian Bale in theaters. Yo, sure. you're you're seeing Christian Bale in an Edgar Allan Poe movie, bro. Don't act like it's like it's it's not Gore Dude, the God Butcher. Yeah, but like honestly, like who even knew this movie was coming out? Like you're you're most likely to see Amsterdam more likely than this movie ensemble movie so yeah i mean like we're gonna see the trailer for that and you're gonna like people are gonna be like oh my god cinema but like yeah when it comes on demand like i don't know (laughs) i don't know like to me that's just that's that spells dull except for his performance harry belling though i don't know it's kind of exciting yeah looks smart anything else no not from me all right you just listed a zillion movies for us ricky flex and uh Thank you for doing so. We have a lot to look forward to with the rest of 2022. That's going to do it for our honorable mentions. That's going to do it for our draft. And that's going to do it for the podcast. All right. Make sure you follow wherever you're listening right now, whether that be Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, wherever you prefer. Hit that follow button. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Okay. We very much appreciate it. Okay. Leave us a review. We'll read it out on the podcast. All right. We did so the other other week. Okay. So make sure. Leave us a review. We'll pop it on. All right, make sure you're also following us on social media, Twitter, Instagram. You might have like uh, listened to this episode from our Twitter or Instagram. Make sure you hit that follow button, and we'll plow out all that news and content that you guys love to look at. Uh, make sure you also subscribe to the YouTube, which you might be watching right now. That's going to do it uh, for episode 126. For Ricky Flex and Dr. O, until next time, we will be.